Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Master Kenobi, um, we have Miss Padme on board. Yes, uh, please, please hurry. Uh, we should leave this dreadful so we pick up our final 20 of Revenge of the Sith with Obi-Wan abandoning a defeated Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader on that fiery shore of Mustafar and reporting back to uh, Yoda that he is safe. Uh, that is, he transmits via Bail Organa that he is safe and he is returning. Uh, meanwhile, of course, Padme is fighting for her life. Yes, for no real actual reason. They can't figure out why she's dying, but she is dying. So they've decided to induce labor to ensure that the babies don't die. This kind of catches Jimmy Smith's off guards, or sorry, Bail Organa <laughs> off guards. Uh, and uh, then she proceeds to ha give birth to both Luke and Leia. All the while, Anakin is crawling up Ash Mountain on Mustafar, where Palpatine flies down with a couple clone troopers, and they rescue him to bring him back to Coruscant for intense surgery. Uh, it is basically explained that Padme doesn't have the will to live, so as soon as she births the twins and gives them names, she whispers to Obi-Wan that she believes there's good in Anakin, and she dies, and Obi-Wan has little to no emotional reaction about this whatsoever, and then he gets some interesting news from Yoda. Mm -hmm. Yes, so Yoda and Bail Organa and Obi-Wan discuss how they're going to separate the twins. Leia will go and be the daughter of the Organa household, and Luke will go to live on Tatooine with Anakin's stepbrother. Uh, and also in the process, Yoda tells Obi-Wan to hold back because he's got a final mission for him, and he'll have to do training while he's watching over Luke in solitude in the desert, and that he needs to learn from Qui-Gon how to uh, become one with the Force beyond death, and discover immortality, and that Qui-Gon will teach him that, and Yoda will teach him how to commune with Qui-Gon. Is that a reparation? Like, what is the value? Oh, and, and then Obi-Wan delivers Luke to... And yeah, then it ends and, on the... But also, Vader becomes Vader. Oh, that's true. I did leave that out. Yeah, the yeah, he rises, and he becomes Vader, and he discovers that Padme is dead. He's lied to, and uh, is told that he's the reason, and that he killed her in his anger, and then he does his terrible Wilhelm no. Well, that and also, if she did in fact die of a broken heart, then he kind of did kill her. But that's that's a loaded topic, which we can get into in a second. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, oh the, the Qui-Gon thing. Is that a reparation? Is that George Lucas trying to smooth over some of the mysteries of the Force that lead to how does Obi-Wan get to come back from the dead? Is that like a little bit of fan service? Is it is it some kind of like retconning? I don't think so. No? Because there was more Qui-Gon that's supposed to be like throughout. In fact, they shot some stuff. Yeah. So Qui-Gon is... Some, I don't know, like... I don't know if they shot things or if it was just they voiceover. Did. Or was they shot actual... Well, okay. There's Qui-Gon lines in the movie, for yes. sure. Yes. And there is a DVD extra with, like, an unproduced sequence. Oh, okay. So they have Qui-Gon. He's just not bluey. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's all green screen. And I don't know. Maybe it is just a voiceover or whatever. But, like, they went to the... Mm -hmm. went to the preliminary trouble of getting this scene ready. Yes, and I think they should have. I think it was a mistake to not have some dialogue exchanged. It could be very, very small. Uh, but just so that we're just... Because like, we don't find out how Yoda learns about this until we watch the Clone Wars years later. Okay. And that's one of the very final episodes is how we learn how Yoda discovers of Qui-Gon's abilities. Right, but this is the only time forced ghosting exactly. has ever even been addressed. And like, that's why I think it's a total missed opportunity yeah. for them to really have kind of dug deep here and explained it a lot more because they don't explain dick all in the original trilogy. But it's important and the reason I ask if he's trying to do some patchwork here is because there are much lower stakes 
on the death of a Jedi, if we just go about assuming that all Jedi get to come back as stronger than ever ghosts. Like, it doesn't hurt that much to realize Ben Kenobi is not really that dead in the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And so we're never going to be scared for a Jedi again if we go about assuming they can all do this. Well, it's interesting that it wasn't brought up in The Phantom Menace then to be a key point of note in that no one had discovered this ability yet, but Qui-Gon had. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that we don't realize until afterwards uh, when he communes with Yoda. But Qui-Gon does learn of this prior to. And so... So in the time since The Phantom Menace leading up to Revenge of the Sith, has the spirit of Qui-Gon been training to learn how to do this? Or has he just been like hiding in the wings when Obi-Wan could have used him? So Qui-Gon doesn't... He didn't learn enough. Mm -hmm. Yoda learned more than Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon trained and was aware of how to kind of... I forget what it is become one with the force and um, essentially leave his mortal body behind and have his conscious exist yeah. within the force. And so he is able to do that, but he didn't learn the full manifestation to be able to bring himself um, into a visual form. Okay. Uh, so when he's on Mortis, when Anakin and Obi-Wan are on Mortis, because it's probably the most um, force sensitive. Force sensitive. They're called force nexuses, right? Uh, and it's probably the most significant force nexus. It's like in the a gout. force nucleus. Yeah, it's just it, like there are places, specific places where the force is stronger. For example, Octu is a light side force nexus, like a pocket of force energy. Dagobah is a dark side force nexus. Weird. Which is part of the reason why it's believed that Yoda went there because it would shroud his force, uh, kind of marking or his like uh identif- hide him yeah like almost like how you'd see like an identifier on like a like a like a scanner like a beep right beep. and like you would assume that like in order to have yoda not come up on one of those he's got to hide in a super dark-sided area so that does, he doesn't show up does that play a role in luke's training sequence where he sees yes, the cave yeah the cave yeah and so there's that's also explains ray's sequence whereas there's uh clearly a dark side nexus underneath two as an island whereas the light side nexus is on top and the dark right. side is underneath so when qui-gon is sorry yes qui-gon's on mortis and he's able to commune in visual form when he's uh, on dagobah so he tells yoda to go to dagobah uh, and yoda is able to have a full conversation with him there because it's also strong with the force right and so qui-gon's able to commune with him there but that's something that Yoda will have to then teach to Obi-Wan to allow for that strong connection because Qui-Gon doesn't have the full-ranging Force Ghost abilities right. that Yoda then fully learns how to do and imparts that knowledge on to Obi-Wan as long as Qui- same with Qui-Gon. And so. we have to assume Luke is going to have in... A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we know he's in the movie. Can a, for- can a fully-fledged Force Ghost train a Jedi? Uh, we, as- well, we assume that uh, Obi-Wan... And there are bits and pieces of it throughout canon that Obi-Wan trained Luke to a degree from time to time on the occasional thing. Uh, But for the most part, you have to assume that Obi-Wan and Yoda did a little bit more training with Luke after Return of the Jedi through Force Ghost kind of passing of knowledge. Not so much training, I would say. Guidance. Uh, but guidance, probably. Mentorship. However, we've seen what Yoda's now capable to do as a Force Ghost and by manipulating his environment... So it's really interesting to see the way Luke will be. Uh, my, one of my favorite lines from The Last Jedi being, we are what they grow beyond, yeah. um, and referring to your students. And you look at what the capabilities of the students are. You have Qui-Gon with his uh, Padawan Obi-Wan. 
Yeah. Obi-Wan becomes a greater Jedi than Qui-Gon and has more Force Ghost abilities than than, than Qui-Gon. Yeah. Uh, Yoda has more Force Ghost abilities than Obi-Wan because he died after and trained longer. Uh, and then Yoda, his apprentice, sorry, Luke, his apprentice, also has more knowledge and has gained everything from what he's learned. And it's assumed that he would also then have more power as well. Okay. So he should be an even more powerful force ghost than Yoda, potentially. So here's the money question. Yep. Who taught Anakin? Oh, what do you mean? To force ghost. Oh, to be a force ghost? Yes. Oh, that is 100% poor patchwork. Yes. uh, Done by uh, the current canon explanation is that it was done by yoda and obi-wan because again they preserved anakin the end of the return of the jedi implies that once you're a jedi who dies you get to come back as a a glowy version of yourself and the stakes are lost yeah that absolutely changes the game and that's why it's incredibly important that they introduce force ghosts in some way but they didn't do the best job they could have on that however i would love it if they showed that anakin is so powerful that it didn't matter yeah I think that's something that should be important. And you could even have that as one of the things that Kylo Ren finds out on his journey as he's going to explore kind of what Vader has learned and Vader's potential quest on immortality being the goal to what Plagueis was discovering and what Palpatine told them they would work to discover together. Maybe the whole time Vader's goal was to discover immortality and the final push that he needed, he got when he turned to the light side, but he wouldn't have been able to get if he remained on the dark side till the end. So who knows, but... There should be a better explanation for the Anakin one, without a doubt. One more Force Ghost question. Is there any chance whatsoever, 1% over under, Ewan McGregor does a Force Ghost in episode 9? Hard, hard over 1%. Yeah. Hard over. You think it's over 10? Uh, yeah. I do. Okay. Wouldn't that be frigging unreal? Yeah, I think you have Ewan McGregor and you do uh, a de-aging Alec Guinness yep. mixed with Ewan McGregor. It's so, so that easy it looks to do like the, the CG because he's already supposed to be kind of flat and two-dimensional in the Force Ghost uh, aesthetic. Well, absolutely. But I mean, you also have the fact that you can do that kind of de-aged forming and you only have to do it kind of partial yeah because you can you still want to keep some of that ewan mcgregor look well you still know him as, as obi-wan your, obi-wan yeah. exactly and so oh that would be so cool yeah and it would be an amazing way to kind of introduce us to obi-wan again in this new world and uh, if kenobi has a significant role in kind of lineage then it would 100 percent make sense right but even still there's a chance of a big force ghost revival in this last movie whether it's with anakin obi-wan yoda any of them could come back. We know Luke will come back in that capacity. Um, I, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of opportunities there. Pretty exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Okay, let's talk about Padme. What killed Padme? Uh, well, you could say that Palpatine. Yeah. Uh, when he goes and he kind of surprisingly shows a tender moment with Anakin, or what looks like a tender moment, he puts to check. his hand on him. Yes. Yeah, some some people say, and I think it's a very very good uh, argument that that's Palpatine sucking the remaining life out of Padme to keep Anakin alive. There's something not uh, not comforting about it to me. It's not like a there, there, my Padawan mm. thing, which I don't think uh, Palpatine is above because he does show Anakin lots of false uh, 
attention and oh, yeah. encouragement. But and very soon he's going to flip on that. Yes, <laughs> but the physicality of it just doesn't represent that to me. It's like no. a very, a very. Um, it could be checking vitals, though, to a degree. Could be. Um, however, there's also some belief that Anakin keeps himself alive on rage and rage about losing Padme and that rage focused around her he inadvertently kills her by right. stripping by kind of draining her life to keep himself alive as well the the reason i'm inclined to favor an argument that the dark side either through vader or through sidious mm. is the reason she died is because well obviously because the it's she better. she died of a broken heart sucks <laughs> it's so stupid but also she wouldn't have a broken heart you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's horrible that the love of your life turned to the dark side and your heart broken, but you have two children. Like, your the embodiment of your love exists in a more pure form than has ever existed. Like, there are lots of cases of men who fuck off and this mother is left to love her children. Like, it's 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 not only, like, it's just antithetical to the storytelling nature of Star Wars, like, through love, which mm -hmm. Star Wars is a love story. And... Also, she has lost the will to live is not how life works. No, it's not. You'd, it's, like if I if I woke up tomorrow and I'd lost the will to live, I wouldn't die. <laughs> <laughs> Medically, she's completely healthy. For reasons we can't explain, we are losing her. She's dying. We don't know why. She has lost the will to live. We need to operate quickly if we are to save the babies. Babies? She's carrying twins. I think the goal was to kind of, I think, blend that a little bit with like a childbirth sort of death, which is right. a cop-out always in storytelling. Uh, but I mean, I think if there was intention of George Lucas to make it a dark side kind of draining presence, he whiffed on it in that it took a, way too long for too many people to clue into yeah. what that Why was. Why not make it way more obvious? Just make it more obvious. You can be more expository if you need to. It's not like you... Never stopped you before. I was ready to say, it never <laughs> stopped you before, especially in this 20. Yeah, you chose now to be subtle. Yeah, exactly. So like that's where it's hard to believe a little bit with George Lucas. And so there's so much genius there that it's sometimes, are we projecting additional genius or is it just... That's, that's the mystery of genius uh, oh, everywhere. Absolutely. That's what genius well, is. Shakespeare, like, that's, yeah. like everybody talks about that, mm -hmm. and how like he could have just been like some drunk guy in an alleyway and just was good with words. As and... far as like creativity goes, I think Shakespeare is the worst person you could have chosen because he is most obviously a genius of all writers who ever. No, lived. I know, but there is. I, I would say because of that, there's probably also yes. the most discussion around his work and whether or not certain pieces of his work are complete crap. We want to see greatness in people that we want to see people be able to do things that would blow our minds. Yeah. Like yeah. we want to be able to see kind of those little, little hints like, Oh, did they really think of that way prior to like, well, and know. also as a somebody, as a person who like works on long form creative projects, sometimes things do just magically line up. Yeah, of course, happy happy accidents happen all the time. Definitely, but not all the time. No, no, no. Well, not to not to the extent that Star Wars exists, and yes, I'm not taking away from George Lucas's obvious genius. But yes, you're right. I think we're in the same place on that. And I think one of the th the key things, and one of the reasons why, another reason why the Last Jedi should not be scheduled when it is. I mean, or like timeline wise. Yeah. Uh, is you mean immediately after Episode Seven? Yes, yeah. it's because the great part with these kind of epic episodic 
stories is that you're able to handpick the most interesting point over a long period of time to tell a journey and to tell that larger story. So it's not, oh, that's awfully convenient. No, that's why we're showing you this two-hour time frame covering this kind of like five-year time window. Yeah. Part of the reason also why Attack of the Clones was chosen at the wrong time in that overall time it frame. Was. Same yeah. with Phantom Menace and same with The Last Jedi. They're all chosen at poor times. You're kind of right, actually. Episode 7 and 8, because of their uh, their their being back-to-back in the in the chronology, mm. it's almost like they're not episode seven and eight. They're episode seven yep. parts one and two. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what kind of sucks because it takes away from the epicness of the trilogy. And that's why I really want episode nine to be the, the longest Star Wars movie we've ever had by yeah. a lot. Yeah. Because there's so much they need to put in to make this feel like a large, complete story as opposed to almost like a Star Wars story. Right. Yeah. Another missed opportunity. Uh, they had three movies to give us some background on why the names Luke and Leia. I know. Just Luke and Leia out of nowhere. Just had to be something. You just pulled those names. Even if there was a discussion earlier in the movie where she's like, I, na- I like the name Luke's and Le- Luke and Leia. Like, that would, wouldn't be great either, but like, these these words completely came out of nowhere to her. Yeah, like it would have been like good if like one of them, like Anakin wanted... Like a boy or something, and like wanted to name it Luke, and she was like, "I don't, I, I think it's gonna be a girl or something." Like even if like something stupid like that, totally. It just you're right. It's pulled out of her ass, and it makes no sense in her dying breaths. Yeah, well, I mean, I also there's a lot of things wrong with everything in Padme's giving birth scene uh, and leading up to it because first of all, she gets bigger by the minute. Yes, literally in this twenty. Yeah. Whereas like one minute she's maybe four months pregnant one minute she's six months pregnant and the next she's a fucking house <laughs> yeah 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 it's ridiculous also the like flubber weebo droid the oh like, god yeah yeah the uh it's a, a thing's called a midwife it says weebo a bunch doesn't it it, it says uba uba yeah yeah it's called a midwife droid yeah it is one of the dumbest droids yeah it's I like mean, a danger will robinson droid it's really really lame yeah i mean i know like I know the whole point is that they have droids out in all these places and you wouldn't assume uh, you're going to have some big mechanically like terrifying thing giving birth, but it just looks so fucking stupid. Yes, it does. It does. Now, here's a, here's a, it might be a bit of a spicy take about, about the nature of Luke and Leia's uh, bloodline. Mm. Um, this is, yeah, this is kind of an out there idea, but I, I think because of the way they first present to you in Return of the Jedi that they are brother and sister and they just expect you to go along with it. And we talked about this months mm-hmm. ago. Um, I think there was a part of me who didn't want to accept that as a literal truth, even as a child. So when they say, Leia, Leo's my sister, also your sister, no, there is another. I, th- I think there's always been 5% of me that wanted to believe that Luke and Leia are symbolically siblings and not literally twins from the same embryo. And I know that's not the case, but there's a part of me that really believes that was what George Lucas meant when he wrote it. And then over time, the discussion became, no, they're literally twins. It's in the movie, they're twins. Yeah, it is. Uh, Your twin sister. Yeah, but again, that can mean a symbol. That can mean I she's your she, your well, yin and yang. In the same yang. way that Ray is Kylo's twin. Light side twin. Yeah. I, see no, I mean, they're both light side, uh, yeah. Luke and Leia, but there's there's something simpatico about these two spirits that didn't necessarily, to me, 
absolutely have to be blood relative. I think that's fair. I think people would have been pissed. Yeah, they would have been, but I think that's decided upon by the group, not by George, is what I'm saying. George would never admit it now, but I'm not convinced. I I am. I think he meant that. I think the when he decided the Vader lineage, and I, I I think that probably all came kind of a little bit clumped together. It could be wrong, but okay. Like I said, it's kind of out there, but like it's just it was. I, I totally get why that was a mindset you had. I 100% get that. It and was I, just always so poorly brought up to us in the first, and it's mm-hmm. the it's the heart of the entire saga. I'm sure I believe that as well. I'm sure I was I was quite confused by it, and uh, I'm sure as a ten year old, this was a very like, <laughs> oh, this is a confirming moment. This yes. is they are indeed siblings. Right now, the taking of the babies to uh, oh my god to um, uh, where did she go? Alderaan. Alderaan. That's fine. Which I have to say, best part of the twenty and most frustrating part of the twenty is seeing Alderaan. And how beautiful it is, and how cool it is, yeah. and how it would have been great to see more than twenty damn seconds of Alderaan. Yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah. It's so stupid because the the destruction of Alderaan in A New Hope doesn't really hurt. No, it doesn't. Because you barely know Leia, and you'd never you've never seen Alderaan before. It should hurt. Yeah, my like I know Alderaan more from the books than yeah. anything, and it's a cool planet. There's it's a very interesting, and it really is the same as Naboo. Oh, it should. I have no idea why. Uh, well, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, but he just got he got gun shy because he didn't want to kill the Gungans. Yeah. Good lord. I know. Um, okay, but do we, <laughs> do we agree that Bail Organa taking Leia is good storytelling? Mm. Split up. They should be. My wife and I will take the girl. We've always talked of adopting a baby girl. She will be loved with us. She's going to have a security detail. She's going to have a good life. Yes and no. Okay. Uh, it makes a lot of sense in that regard. However, uh, it wouldn't have been too much of a stretch to put a lot of that stuff together. Um, Bria Organa, like they, she wasn't pregnant, so it's clearly going to be told as an adoption, and that's what it does. Yep. Uh, the story essentially says that she is uh, a, a child of war. Okay. So, and also, Anakin has been led to believe these children don't exist anyway. Exactly. And so, I mean, you really can have, like, it makes a pretty good argument. However, it's pretty high profile at the same time. Yes. And she, in instances, goes face to face with Darth Vader. Again and, and again. her father should have known that that was going to be coming up and that, I don't know, it, it makes sense. And ultimately, after reading Leia, Princess of Alderaan, I absolutely love everything that they did. And, and it was totally right in the way that they, they kept her as a princess in kind of a backwards way, which was totally a mistake by making Queen Amidala a queen and then realizing, oh, wait a minute, we're not going to have her raise the kid. So we still have to make her a royalty somehow. Right. That's the part that's a little bit shitty. A little sloppy. And not great storytelling. Yeah. But overall, yes. And then the Luke side of it is fucking ridiculous. That's what I'm getting to, is that it, the opposite of high profile is on a farm in the desert on some desolate planet called Tatooine. But it's, it's also, it's the most obvious place that they might hide a child ever. And considering Vader was on the war path for literally decades and had a hate on for Obi-Wan, and there's... a so and he hated the Tuscan Raiders. There's mm-hmm. I don't know how many reasons to believe he might go back to the Skywalker farm, not the Skywalker farm, the Lars farm, just to wreak some havoc. Potentially, yeah, and uh, discover his son. It never happened, but it is a preposterous place to hide the son of oh, and a also, war criminal. Also, you know, the best thing to do is 
definitely call him Luke Lars yeah. so that no one will know who his lineage is. But you know what? We're going to be honest. We're going to tell him that his last name is really Skywalker. Right. What happens between four and five is Vader sends Boba Fett after Luke. He doesn't know what his, his name is, but he sends him after the guy who took out the Death Star. Uh, Boba Fett follows him to Tatooine while Luke is looking for Obi-Wan's uh, diary. Uh, funny enough, he fends off some Tusken Raiders. The, the Tusken Raiders run away, but Luke is like, oh, I don't know what I would have done if they had stuck around. Right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Boba Fett crashes the party when he's looking for... Like, the answer, by the way, is slaughtered them like animals. That's right. The women, <laughs> the children, all of them. Uh, uh, but anyway, so Boba Fett barges in and he finds out who his name he finds out his name is Luke Skywalker and goes back and tells Vader and Vader's right. like, Holy shit, got a son. Yes. Uh but that's the kind of thing that in theory, if Boba Fett is in Moss Eisley and Luke goes to friggin' Anchorhead because he's gotta pick up some power converters and Boba Fett realizes, Oh shit, I gotta get some power converters too and they bump into each other and he finds out his name. Like there are pockets of scum and villainy on Tatooine that could get the name back for sure. <laughs> I just like the image of Luke Skywalker and Boba Fett both struggling in line. Both struggling with a Home Depot coupon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're just like well, Boba Fett's got his mask on. They got Bosk behind them waiting in line. Yeah. It's like Unkar Plut at the <laughs> Uh okay, so Owen Lars, uh Brew Lars, and Obi Wan Kenobi all age very poorly in nineteen years. Mm-hmm. Tatooine. Tatooine. And especially Obi-Wan, who really lives in a cave. Yep. And also, when you look at Shmi, uh, I don't know how old the actress was, but for, like, potentially you could say the character was younger. Yeah. And because she looked old to have a 10 year old, a 9 year old. You're right. In the sense that she looks probably 40. Although there was no father either. Like, she just was immaculate conception, too. Yeah. But it's just, it's like when you compare, I don't know. I hear you. Yes. What do you think about the final shot of the prequel trilogy being of Owen Lars? Uh, I thought it was dumb. It I is. Think even, I, I think it's great that it's the twin sons. Yeah. But what it I obviously mirrors that famous Luke shot. What bugged me was, did Obi-Wan like call ahead or text Baru being like, I'll be there in 10? Because <laughs> like they're waiting, but Owen doesn't even come off his hill. Nope. He's so... Sulky. In, he's just looking at the sun. Yeah. He's just like, I got... The sun is so interesting right now. I can't even say <laughs> hi to this guy who I've never met. I'm so invested in what's going on with these two sons, well, Ross, which you, there's no way I see them every single day of my fucking life. You can't TiVo the son. He's got to watch it live. Every night? Yes. <laughs> even the night that he's getting his son? Man, he gets... Uh, not that there's like a lot of interaction with him uh, as Joel Edgerton, but he gets to be like a pretty grumpy old coot pretty fast, doesn't he? Yeah, real fast. Real, he's a real would, son of a bitch, in fact. Yeah, well, I would hope that he is uh if there is an obi-wan movie or tv show that he does have some form of role and obi-wan does some things to piss him off yeah that could create chaos and danger and ultimately give him the bad rep that owen shit talks him for and owen lars underserved so in in this prequel trilogy he could have been better developed for sure. oh 100 okay we got to talk about uh vader Really good makeup, really good burn makeup. Oh, it's incredible. That shot of him on the table is pretty harrowing, and yeah. it's very believable. Very cool overhead shot, too. Oh, yeah, when they, or oh, the POV shot when yeah. they bring the mask down. And the Imperial logo. Yes. 
Yes. Oh, I know. It's so it's it's really really cool. But the fear in his eyes when they put the helmet down on him, mm-hmm. you can see it. It's you good can, acting. You can see Hayden Christensen in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. In, in that shot, you're like, oh, I can see how that's him. And yeah. and you know, it's weird when he stands up and he's like trying to get his bearings. I mean, the the Frankenstein thing where he like pops off the table is dumb, but uh, when he talks, I can hear. Mm. I know it's James Earl Jones. Yep. But I can hear Hayden Christensen's way of talking. Yep. Where is Padme? safe is she all right it seems in your anger you killed her i i couldn't she was alive i felt it which i don't know how they pulled that off they do it throughout the entire movies like in terms of episode two and episode three like that's the reason why anakin talks weird is because that's how vader talks it's how vader talks yeah and they had to keep some level of consistency there i mean you can have anakin say a lot more than vader because vader obviously it hurts a little to talk probably right but you still need to have him speak in kind of that lofty and bizarre accent it's an accent yeah kind of um, but he speaks very slow. Obviously, the dialogue is like the greatest take back mm-hmm. of the whole movie, I think. No! Uh, no! I don't know what else to say about, about Darth Vader. I mean, There's it's... not a whole lot. It's just so damn disappointing that that's all we got. That's Well, I don't know if they wanted to put a lot of Vader in here, but it's just... A lot of people wanted it. Yeah. And like they people were expecting it because they advertised it kind of like that. Oh, really? Well, I mean, through all of these movies, they have subtly done the yep. at some point in some promotional material or in the movie. But as a result of that, we only get two minutes of Vader like that. And we just get him screaming, no, and then crossing his arms as he looks out the window. Yeah. Like... We we should have got a little bit more, but then again, what do you put after that? Because you want to have the Anakin Obi Wan fight occur mm-hmm. where Anakin is Anakin still. Like I don't know. Maybe you have maybe you reverse things a little bit and have the storming of the Jedi Temple happen after. Yeah, and then that's the final shot. Uh, is Vader storming the Jedi Temple and slaughtering everybody? And then you cut to like the Luke and Leia bits. So Obviously, see- the the pacing of the movie is a problem. But I, I mean, I wouldn't be so against the last shot of the movie being the mask coming down, and they don't even show him in the suit. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if it yeah. cut, if it cuts to black and you hear a breath and then credits. Like yep. that wouldn't be the worst thing storytelling wise. It's just that the build up didn't make any sense. No. And so it was not very, there was no relief. And how could there be? Because objectively, these movies are so deeply flawed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree on on the points you're making there. Does Obi-Wan think that he killed Anakin? I don't know. I don't think so. Obviously, that if he did, it doesn't last for long because he knows Vader's out there. But yeah, I don't think he, I, I don't think he thinks he did. Because otherwise he would have finished him off. He obviously get, showed him some mercy and left him for well, he dead. He should have finished him off. That's yeah. like not showing him mercy would have been killing him at this point. Yeah. And logic should have been killing him. There's no reason. Like he should have been separated. Uh, I think that I guess, but he can't. Like, no, but if like if you had it, whereas like I don't know, Anakin was on some form of like lava float thing, like. I don't know. Yeah. Something will have him float away so that Obi-Wan doesn't have the decision. <laughs> float away. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about how quickly 
they transition into a functional empire. So last week we teased about how ridiculous it is that the Death Star is already this far along. Mm -hmm. And it's sensible that the the clone troopers are already calling uh, Sidious uh, your majesty because it's in their programming mm-hmm. to be accept- accepting of that. But like further to the Death Star thing, where did Tarkin come from? I know the character has a background, mm-hmm. but like how so quickly is this elite team of executive black suited uh, deck soldiers already functioning like this is a well-oiled machine? Because it is. Where'd it come from? It's always been there. Doing what? Doing the work. Doing, they're the military. They've always been the military. They're the galactic military. They're the officers. There's you, your officers and your troopers. They're there throughout the entire. Uh, they, they just rebranded. Where did where do they get the, the the outfits? Like where have they been for all these movies? The outfits they show there, like they're barely in these movies. That's absolutely true. They're yeah. heavily used in the Clone Wars. Okay, um, makes sense. And the suits are very similar to what the Empire wears, but they're not the same. Right. They're, they're, Tarkin actually redesigns the uniform uh, in the book Tarkin. So you get to see his choice of like... That's a silly little thing to add in. I think it's like the, one of the first little bits is like him discussing with the tailor, like his decisions and like... But you... you no, but I think it's used to describe the character, okay. if I remember correctly, whereas like it shows like... His severity. Exactly. Yeah. And like his choice to go with like a green gray and the reason why the boots are the way they are. And like it, it, it was done in a good storytelling way. What won the 20? Uh, I've got a few things that won the 20. Uh, the callback to the Japur snippet is good. I like that. What was a Japur snippet? That sounds familiar. That's the little thing that Anakin made for Padme. Oh, yeah. It's on her chest when she's yeah. when she, in her funeral. Yeah, I like that. That was nice because it, in fact, appeared in the second movie, too. It, it was in Attack of the Clones, right? She was like, I still have this. Uh, I don't remember. Um, Yo, I think so. Probably. I think it may have been like in the... the uh, yeah, I don't remember when. Like when they went on their romantic getaway in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm sure she did. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, Anakin's burn makeup is really good. The Qui Gon lowering of the mask, him. the Qui Gon reveal, of course. The first Vader breath is is pretty gratifying. Yeah, it is. Uh, I also liked the kind of or what's it? Uh, I don't know what it would be called, but when they kind of flash between the side on of Padme in white, and then the overview of the burnt up Vader. Uh, yeah. With everything being so black and dark, yeah. whereas like the white was very Leia reminiscent, uh, and it was just such a nice balance between juxtapose, yeah. yeah. And I think very, very much in a way of how I think they'll kind of represent Rey and Kylo in Episode Nine. As yeah, well. they've got her in white. They've it, got her in like just all white, and they've got him in black, and he's a mess. <laughs> Some quotes, some things that really stand out. There's not a lot of talking in this. Uh, every, every little piece of dialogue is important in this 20, but not all of it is really punchy. No. Uh, there he is. He's still alive. That's Sidious pointing him out. Yeah. Um, until the time is right, disappear we will. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's when I have as the uh, the placeholder for the t- episode title. I kind of like uh, Obi-Wan. There's still good in him. There's good in him. an okay one i also have uh yoda's hidden safe the children must be kept yeah lord vader can you hear me well that's a good one in your solitude on tatooine training i have for you training 
An old friend has learned the path to immortality. One who has returned from the netherworld of the Force, your old master. Qui-Gon. And then the pure look of delight on Obi-Wan's face. You're right, it's kind of sweet. Qui-Gon! I know. He's so happy. That's That also probably won the 20. I'll give that a nod as well. That little that that little just back and forth won the 20. That's but my winner. he's otherwise kind of emotionless in this 20. Yeah, absolutely. Is he just kind of frozen? Is he kind of in shock? I think that's part of it. And I think it's like a bit of a... Like, uh, kind of like the start of an Obi-Wan depression a little bit. Yeah, I guess. But like Whereas, when Padme dies in front of him, like he's surprised to learn that she's about to die. Yeah. But then she dies in front of him and he just is just this like... Is a, this is a, like a very dear friend of his. That is very yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like no two ways about it. They are good friends and that's very odd. Some However, say they have romantic chemistry. Yeah, which I, I, dis- I, I, I totally disagree, disagree with too. On, yeah. But they're close. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, when you, but I think you have to look at it as Obi Wan has suffered so much loss mm-hmm. in that short period of time. All of his colleagues, his brother, um, everything that he's ever thought and known. You're right. Um, I think it's just just sheer disbelief at this point. He just had to kill the person that he's trained and loved for the last. Uh, friggin 15 years so right. it's i think he's just past the point of having feelings and i think they should do a good job of if they do an obi-wan tv show or movie showing how really hard that was that kind of that transition and maybe like having qui-gon getting him out of his funk yeah we want to see him lose his temper a little bit you yeah. know like kind of like he's always so measured yeah well that's the thing uh we have yes he is but he becomes significantly more measured by the time we see him in a new hope right but that's what i mean he needs to have something of a nervous breakdown i think it's yeah okay sorry i see what you mean in terms of like have him go to his rock bottom so he can bounce back up let's do some trivia sure uh okay i'll start with my padawan question it was hard to to drag questions out of this 20 but uh, yes i have confidence in you what and by whom are the last words spoken in this movie uh 3po oh no that's true that is because that is my question for you <laughs> do we both look at the imdb trivia no i just i was curious because i was like wait a minute there hasn't been a line for like the last three minutes here was it obi-wan yoda or 3po because i was like i'm gonna make this one of my because i don't even know it so i just rewound until i found somebody say something here's a weird one uh jedi knight question what is baru larza's maiden name oh crap uh, this would be from a certain point of view, probably. Maybe. It's probably, and there was a Baru Lars um, story, and it was it was it was decent. It was sad because in the end she dies. She does get crispy, yeah, and uh, really doesn't fulfill any of her life dreams, <laughs> which is really quite sad. It is. Um, I don't know. I don't well, remember. Last name is, it's White Sun. White Sun, which is is very. Um, I don't know the the politically correct term for it, but native sounding. Yeah, but also at the same time, I think it's very it's Star Tatooine, Wars. Tatooine-esque, yeah. It's Skywalker. I think yeah. it's really along those lines. Uh, Starkiller. Uh, it sounds very George Lucas-like. And it also sounds very good. Yes. It sounds like a good person's name. White Sun? Is yes. that what you said? Yeah, I like that. Okay, give me one. Um, let's see. What is the name of the asteroid that Luke and Leia are born on? I don't think I understood that they're on an asteroid. They're on a ship. Is that ship clung to an asteroid? 
as like a hiding thing? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I, or I know. think they're on a station, actually. I don't think it's a... Like, I think it's a ship, but like a station. And it's perched on an asteroid. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, Polis Massa. What does that mean? No idea, but it's, it's, just, it's just like a... Just jargon. Like a space station hospital, so people can stop by. <laughs> okay, great. And they have idiot droids yes, who just they... say you've lost the will to live. Ooh, bah. <laughs> Jedi Master question for you. I like this one. All right. Where's my phone? I need it for, for backup. What mental illness... Did a French psychiatrist diagnose Anakin Skywalker with in 2007? What mental illness? Based on the uh, the like visual, the, like the visible um, criteria which he met, which include uh, a difficulty controlling anger, mm-hmm. stress causing detachment from reality, mm-hmm. impulsivity, obsession with abandonment. Mm-hmm. A pattern of unstable relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of ideation and devaluation. Bipolarism? Pretty close. He has multiple personality disorder? Very close. Schizophrenia? He has borderline personality disorder. Damn, I got all the ones right around it. <laughs> you were really dancing around <laughs> it, yeah. You're pretty good at your psychology. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Like, apparently, he's like a textbook borderline. Oh, well, I guess that makes it, it makes sense that he would have some form of. Um, mental illness yeah that is kind of but but there's something making it easy for palpatine to exploit right but there's also it just i, I don't know anything about the psychiatry of of um borderline uh personality disorder but just in the phraseology of that there's something kind of neat about who anakin skywalker mm-hmm. is absolutely i mean there's the great argument is like how do you view them as two characters or one and one day of the week, I may say two. One day of the week, I may say one. It's, it's hard. A, it's a toss-up. Yeah. Okay, okay, what's your master question for me? Uh, I had the Polis Masa one as my master question. Okay. The other things have all come up than what we've said so far. So. Yeah, it was kind of tough to glean. Do you have any other uh, observations about this 20? We've talked a lot about this 20. Yeah, that's surprising because there yeah. wasn't a whole lot in it. Uh, just one final thing. I actually was reading this today, and I thought it was very convenient how it just kind of popped up. And it was, a, it's, I think it was a story on Screen Rant or something. Uh, but how George Lucas uh, gave kind of an interview or he wrote some lines about some of the characters uh, when he was introducing kind of Star Wars back in the 70s. And so when he was kind of writing some lines to describe the characters almost, uh, like to almost just make them more realistic, uh, he wrote a bunch of 3PO lines just to kind of flesh out the character. And some of those lines were talking about his relationship with R2 and how they just met, and how R2's likely been working on this ship for, for a dozen years or so. Uh, the, the droids probably had his memory wiped a bunch of times. I've never had my memory wiped. but uh, And I find that really funny that George Lucas wrote in the 70s, like 3PO being totally disillusioned and how he thinks like there's no way I could like I could have had my memory wiped yeah uh, and that this droid probably many times and he's been on this ship a long time R2's been on the ship for the exact same amount of time as you 3PO right he's <laughs> right that shows foresight got- and an understanding of his greater story yeah than we maybe sometimes give him credit for yep but then I mean there's also other confusions that you could say um I mean it, it, who knows why did they only wipe the protocol droid? Because he doesn't shut up. I know, but it just seems like, you know what, let's just wipe all the computers. Well, you would. there's no need to wipe R2. But he is a communicating robot. Droid, excuse me. Yeah. I, I just, I, maybe that could be an oversight. You could say I'm Bail Organic because he doesn't necessarily have an astromech. Um, yeah. 
But R2 is special. R2 is not supposed to be, like, that's not something they would be worrying about. Because R2 is almost like... uh, Do other astromech droids have personalities? To the extent that R2 has, no. Well, I know that. They do. Uh, but they're not generally communicated with, though. Okay. Like, they're really only communicated with, with other droids. I see. So, like, it's almost never can somebody understand what a droid says. So, kind of like, explains why... Ray's th- ability to speak to BB-8 yeah. shows just how bored she is in the Jakku desert. But BB-8 has a personality. Yeah, but my point is BB-8, nobody should understand what bb is saying. Ray right. does because she has so much time on her hands I to see. learn so many languages. And Poe understands what he's saying, although it's, well, it's his, droid. His, his droid. It kind of explains a little bit why 3PO gets so irritated by R2, because he has spoken, he can speak all these languages. He knows mm. that R2 should not be like this. No, exactly. And <laughs> R2 also has so much like grit and experience and just is sick of it all yeah. that he can only really communicate with 3PO. He's going to give the guy a hard time. Right. <laughs> Is that all you got? Uh, that's all I got for the 20, yep. Okay, let's and get to news. for, uh, I guess, the prequels and the original six. Yeah, I know, hey. Which is really what they should be called now. The original six. They definitely separate from, they're obviously unto themselves. Yeah. And. The Lucas six. Yeah, the Lucas six. And these prequels are like classics now, too. They're yes. old. Yes, they absolutely are. They're old that's movies. That's the great thing, because like, you and I have kind of an interesting uh, view on it. I mean, everybody has such a different uh, view on when they like when they first, entered yeah when they entered star wars and first fell in love with it and i know you and i when we were very very young uh saw the original trilogy but this was also right before the phantom menace came out yeah and so like we were like four and six years old and we had just seen the original trilogy but it also we're just seeing the phantom menace so it was it all came out at the same time for right. us kind of right and so we really did see all these movies kind of on the same level. And when you're that young, you're able to kind of suspend the disbelief on maybe the difference in uh, kind of eras in which they're shot. And so... Well, and the nice thing, too, about when you're a really little kid, and it's part of the reason the original Star Wars was so beloved, although also it was groundbreaking mm. and nothing had ever looked like that before. Yeah. But it was campy and that was okay. Yeah. Because people weren't so especially kids yeah. are not so bitchy not about jaded. movies. Yeah. Uh, and so when we were little kids, we didn't see any problems with these prequels. They yeah. were they were just all all good, exciting Star Wars movies. And the beautiful thing is the same thing can be said for the, the sequel trilogy that we're having now. Kids who for the first time ever saw yeah. Star Wars just before The Force Awakens came out and their dads were like, you gotta watch these first six movies before I take you to see The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay. And then they saw seven Star Wars movies. And then The Last Jedi came out and they were only two years older and mm-hmm. they still have love in their eyes mm-hmm. and they still see Star Wars with rose-colored glasses and they loved it too. And that's awesome. That's what the, the beauty of Star Wars is, is just seeing it for what it is and mm-hmm. seeing the purity and the imagination of it absolutely couldn't have said it better myself and that's the important thing that people need to to hang on to as opposed to that's not my star wars or i'm gonna boycott that well yeah. then go shut up why are you telling everybody about this? yeah nobody I cares i don't this even your sad life sorry exactly i couldn't say that better myself <laughs> <laughs> so actually weirdly we're going to be a little creative with our order uh, of uh, breaking down these movies from here on because now we're post acquisition yes uh, and we've decided that we really want to be able to view the sequel trilogy intact as three consecutive seasons of this podcast mm-hmm. so we're going to hold off on getting to the force awakens for a little while and next we're going to break down because of the chronology of it 
solo a star wars story exactly and so that'll be fun because it's also the newest one so fresh yeah uh, and uh, but it's also interesting because han solo is not fresh at all in our minds nope uh, and there's so many ways in which you could watch um the entire i guess star wars saga but i think the most logical way and i was thinking about this obviously we were trying to decide what would be the next thing to to put on and the next movie to watch but i think if i wanted to tell somebody who'd never seen star wars before and i got to be creative in the way i told them uh, on how they could watch the series i think logically it makes the most sense to do rogue one a new hope empire strikes back solo phantom menace attack of the clones revenge of the sith the Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Episode Nine. Okay, obviously there's something interesting about watching Rogue One and then A New Hope. I get that that's that's a unique experience, but that's crazy, and you shouldn't recommend it to people. The problem is there's no other good time to watch Rogue One. It just interrupts shit. I guess 2016 was a good time to watch Rogue One. Um. Sorry, I also meant to say Solo should be after Revenge of the Sith, not before the prequel trilogy. Because okay. it's good to have that one going into um, Return of the Jedi and then, um, whatchamacallit, Force Awakens. Because it's so much Han Solo. Right. Whereas when you're looking at this, like Han Solo is so out of place here. When we watch this next, Rogue One's going to be so out of place when we go to then The Force Awakens after. So it really, there's no good time to watch Rogue One. But it's a great movie, and you're never going to see any of those damn characters again in another movie, so get it out of the way with first. Okay. All right. Fair enough. There's a logic there behind it. It's not the way I would ever do it. When I, It's just not what Star Wars is. Well, no, exactly. I would never, ever tell somebody to do that. I would always tell them to do A New Hope first. Yes. And then I would tell them to do the original trilogy first. Yeah. The whole damn original trilogy first. And then maybe watch Rogue One after the original trilogy. Yeah. I mean, there's... fresh. Exactly. And there's ways in which you could argue so many different ways. But a creative, fun one that I think would be really interesting would be the that order and being able to kind of see the way that those kind of flashbacks could have been done. The machete order and the various iterations, which yeah. which just gets more and more mathematically complex, by the way, as, yep. as the years go on. Absolutely. Uh, this is an endless uh, conversation that True. we could spiral ourselves through forever. Good so point. what's the news? Uh, not really much at all in the news. Okay. Uh, so Topher Grace made an amazing uh, Star Wars kind of commercial or I guess preview for... It's like a trailer. Yeah, a trailer for episode nine highlighting all of the, the previous 10 Star Wars movies. Yeah. Uh, and it's blown up. It's got like a million and a half hits on YouTube and it's become just very, very accepted and loved by the Star Wars community because it's just a nice uh, kind of overview of everything we love and getting I've us excited. I've watched it like five times. Oh, it's awesome. It's yeah. so great. There's a couple shots that are really like head scratchers for me. like Because he used some beat material no 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 i loved that loved yeah. that the big stuff i don't necessarily know if that was the best one to use but i love anytime anybody uses the luke creating his lightsaber scene mm-hmm. or anything like that but no there was just some like dialogue lines lined up with shots that didn't necessarily make sense okay. about like good and evil and showing certain people and lines and die and anyway, but for the most part the whole damn thing was incredible i loved the the very 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 limited use of solo mm-hmm. and how they were just they mostly made it around the falcon yeah uh and around like him meeting lando uh, like 
really great stuff in that regard. Yes. Uh, no, it's it's a cannot recommend it enough to anyone who's remotely excited or even not excited for episode nine. Because if you're not excited and you're one of those people who is pissy about Star Wars now, if you watch this and are not excited about episode nine, you will never be excited about Star Wars again. Yeah, this was never Sorry. your game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you like the original trilogy or the original and the prequels, but you're never going to like Star Wars again because you're just too damn stubborn. Right. Other than that, there is a really cool new TIE fighter design. It's called the TIE Echelon. Uh, it's seen at Galaxy's Edge and will most likely also be in Episode Nine. Right. Uh, and then the only other thing I have in news is Mark Hamill just blabbing a little too much once again. Okay, what did he say? Uh, so he said a handful of things, and I appreciate where he was coming from, and I love Mark Hamill, as we all do, but I think it might be to the point now where... He's just got a really bad case of foot and mouth syndrome and needs to stop digging himself out of this hole yeah. because he's just digging downward. Uh, and he said, I got myself into trouble. The problem was I wasn't dealing with social media back then. So when you say something that goes around the world in 24 hours, if I were to answer your question on paper, I'd think, oh, well, that doesn't sound exactly like I want. Let's kind of reword that. Um, and you can't necessarily cherry pick. Uh, you know, I'll be reading something and say, what moron said that? And then I'll find out it's me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, people will say, then Seamark hated Star Wars, didn't he? And he was like, did I hate Star Wars? I don't remember that. People have definitely extrapolated too much from his obviously flippant comments. Exactly. And so there was one point when Ryan Johnson had in the script, Luke walking past 3PO and he winks at him. Yeah. Uh, but that w there was nothing in the script. And that really pissed off Mark Hamill, clearly, because uh, he just straight up said on set, this doesn't make any sense. I've known 3PO for so long. I'm not I'm just going to walk past him and say nothing. Yeah. Uh, and so Ryan Johnson said, yeah, do whatever you want. Wink at him. Uh, and just told him to do whatever he wanted. Okay. And so he kind of saw that as um, they're doing this forget the past, kill it if you have to thing with this series. Well, mm -hmm. they're doing a pretty good job of it. Uh, yeah. And so... Uh, I just thought Luke's never going to see his best friend again. I said that was a big mistake to have these not three people reunite. Uh, they'll never be together again. Uh, I'll probably never get to work with Harrison again. Uh, the second thing was they killed me off. I thought, oh, okay, they should put my death off to the last one. Uh, that's what I was hoping when I came back. No cameos uh, and a run of the trilogy contract. Uh, I'm not in the first movie, and they kill me off in the second one. Oh, please. Um, because as far as I'm concerned, the end of seven is really the beginning of eight. I got one movie. They totally hornswoggled me, which basically <laughs> means they bamboozled and tricked him. Yeah. And so I, he's seeing this kind of as they told him this was going to be his trilogy still, and it was going to be kind of a revitalization. And he feels there's not enough homage to the original trilogy or the original characters, which I think is a little... I think that's, I think that's so crazy. I think that's a little... Yeah. I think that's so crazy. Like... First of all, the entire first movie is built around how great he was. Yeah. The entire, and I, I mean The Force it. Awakens. He's not in it. You're right. Yeah. But the whole movie is is literally leading up to, can you believe how great it is we're about to see Luke Skywalker again? Mm -hmm. That's what the whole movie is about. I, to be honest, I think this is mostly because Mark Hamill has waited so long to be back in Star Wars, and he loves it. And the one movie that he's alive in is the one that is probably the most controversial ever. Yeah. And is one that clearly he didn't like. And 
That's I think that's pretty clear. He didn't like The Last Jedi. But at the He same, showed up for it, man. Yeah, he did. It's his best acting performance by a landslide. That's what I mean. But at the same time, Mark Hamill also wanted Luke to turn to the dark side. Ugh. Mark Hamill is not a good storyteller. No. Anytime he's ever mentioned something that he thought that would have been a good idea for Luke, I've disagreed with it fundamentally. Right. He is Luke Skywalker. He is the embodiment of the character. But George Lucas is the creator of Luke Skywalker, right. not Mark Hamill. Right. And as much as I love Mark Hamill, I believe they have done more justice to George Lucas's Mark Hamill than anything. Sorry, George Lucas's Luke Skywalker yeah. than Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. So do you think he can wipe the slate clean and go into episode nine with a fresh attitude? My big worry is if he's saying these comments, maybe he's not in episode nine that much. And that would be bullshit. I don't think he's going to be in it that much, Ross. He's a force ghost. That's not what force ghosts are. Yeah, well, that may be the case, but it damn near needs to be in this one. I, like, we need some serious screen time, and if we don't get it, that is a disappointment. Every appearance of a force ghost ever in Star Wars has been, oh, thank God, you're here. It's always that. It's never like, meanwhile, with the force ghosts. No, no, no. I know that, but you can have him have an in-depth five, six-minute scene with both Rey and Kylo. Sure. That gets, and then maybe with both of them, that's 15 minutes of screen time. That's enough. Absolutely. We'll have to see it to believe it. Yeah. You know, I have to see it to, to have any idea, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him to be any more than a tertiary character in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's fine, but at the same time, it needs to be damn important, and I will be disappointed if we get less than 10 minutes and i think we probably will well as we learned with with the original darth vader you can make a lot of impact with a, a short amount of screen time yeah absolutely and that's the thing i think yoda killed it in the last jedi i mean that would be horribly disappointing if it was that short i would want like three vignettes of that length with luke i think it'd be more than that uh but like they have a lot they had the force ghost itself packs a lot of punch in just being a force ghost. Right, right. Okay, is that all you got? That is all I've got, sir. Okay, so if you want to be caught up to where we are uh, next time we have a podcast, will we have one next week? Possibly. Probably. I guess we'll see. Um, we're going to watch the first 20 minutes of Solo. Yeah. So that'll kind of be interesting. Uh, if you have Netflix, it's on Netflix. So that'll make it kind of easy. If you're Lord Miller, I think you would be watching the last 20 minutes of Solo. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, apparently they had the first, like, sequence of solo was their last sequence of solo oh interesting yeah so like the part where he's on like uh with lady proxima apparently lady proxima was supposed to be kind of one of the final um oh villains okay who knows <laughs> we'll talk about that when the time comes in the meantime if you want to send us your thoughts about the prequels in general or revenge of the sith in general or just these last uh, 20 minutes of this uh episode three please tweet us at recorder 66 or email recorder 66 podcast at gmail.com rate and review on itunes and is that all we normally say i think so i think that's it okay well uh in the meantime in the words of topher grace always <laughs> may the force be with you <laughs>